Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I went to, uh, this last week I had an opportunity to spend some days by myself. We had a few, a few things that they, a few tests at the hospital that allowed me to have about three or four days just to contemplate life and figure out all world, the world's problems and um, the only thing I could come up with is spending some time trying to remember some of the uh, landmarks in my life. I think the older I get the more I realize that God has done so many things. Uh, things that I need to remember, things that I need to relive do you know that that's why God gave you that imagination of yours so that on cold winter nights or when you're somewhat discouraged and overwhelmed with life's cares that you can go back and visit those landmarks and in your mind relive them all over again? He also gave you those landmarks or those experiences in your life to share with others and to rekindle faith in their hearts. And so while I was... Uh, Thinking about what I should do there, I got my laptop out. And God's been talking to me lately about looking for, the, for things that aren't easily seen by uh, people that walk in, in the cares of this world. In other words, there are things around me that he's placed for me to see, like treasures in the snow, so to speak. And as I go to work in the morning, I always ask God to show me what it is that he set in my path for me that day to help me be keenly aware of what's there. <clears throat> and so with that thought in mind, I, I wanted to title um, this, this message tonight uh, after something that happened in about 1849, it was the the big gold rush. Anybody ever remember reading the stories of the gold rush? People that went up, towns sprung up overnight and cities were just born in a short period of time because people were looking for gold. And I don't know if it was an old John Wade movie or something that I watched, but I remember a saying that said, there's gold in them there hills. Do you ever hear that saying? There's gold in them there hills. And so that's what I, I want to title what I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to read to you uh, what I wrote. And it's not going to be, I'll try not to make it boring, but it, there's a personal experience in here. And I'm, I think the Larsons are part of this. I don't know when they actually came to Plymouth, if it was, were you in the old congregational building? You'll remember this account then. And I better make sure that it's true because you'll probably, uh-oh. Hold on a second. I gotta get my pin on and skirt. They'll probably remember this. Before I start, I want to read a scripture. It says, "And I apologize, uh, Sister Carol. I didn't write this first down. It's Isaiah 45. I'll give her a second to get that up, and I'm going to be reading verse one through three. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, 
to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make, it, make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. Now notice verse 3. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. If it's hidden, it's something that you have to look for. But the Lord says that there are riches available to his anointed if they will look for them in the secret places. Thus, my topic. I can imagine the excitement contained in the hearts of those men and women who traveled across the nation in search of yellow nuggets which lay hidden beneath the soil of mountains and valleys. Objects that made dreams come true, sought by many, but found by few. The road to wealth and prosperity was paved with dreams and aspirations of those willing to pay the cost of the quest. Unfortunately, many became discouraged and went back to where they came from because of disillusionment, weariness, dragging their dreams back to their little cottages and farms, returning to their lives of complacency in a world that offers mediocrity in exchange for the dreams of the visionaries of life. The gold remained hidden in the earth, unseen by those whose vision was clouded with the fear of failure. Those unwilling to pay the price that the earth demanded to release its prize turned away, leaving their dreams to die. To the many seekers who sought it, they were determined and rewarded. How truly the Apostle Paul wrote, Faith is the substance of things unseen, the evidence of things hoped for. The true wealth of this world, however, is not seen in its precious stones. It's not even seen in the beauty of a sunrise or sunset. The true wealth that makes a man wise and rich is the wealth that comes through fulfilling one's course to the end. It's not a yellow rock or an even, even a transparent diamond. It's the journey through adversity that gives a man or a woman the true wealth that endures beyond his last gasp of air as he leaves this earth to journey on to the next life. However, much like the seekers of gold, the journey is not for the faint-hearted or those without a passionate vision for the cause. For many opportunities are afforded those who look back to return to the hovels of life. The road to true wealth is paved with sacrifices which cost much 
and oftentimes reward very little. However, you'll find hidden pockets of promise buried along this journey for those who'll seek them, giving them renewed strength and vision to continue on, restoring hope and rekindling passion. A man with vision is known by his determination to meet the day head on. One who looks beyond the obstacles that taunt those who are double-minded. How curious to think that of all those apostles who were instrumental in giving us the guidelines for living, all of them gave their lives as martyrs in their search for that heavenly city whose builder and maker is God. I share this personal testimony, one of many to illustrate a point. I was a young home missions pastor, missions pastor in the town of Plymouth. Things were going well as our small group of believers met in a congregational church as we continued to grow. We were nearing our vision of a new building, and for me, life seemed good. Little did I realize that God was going to give our little church not just a spoken word, but a living example of truth and mercy, which would come through divine healing seen by all. For some time, I had a growth on my right foot which continued to bother me more and more each day. Probably a planter's word, I thought. I made an appointment with a podiatrist to have it removed. To me, it was an inconvenience that could be easily rectified in a quick office visit. It was several days after the removal that my doctor called and wanted to see me. It turned out that the pathology report confirmed it was a sarcoid tumor, not usually found in a foot, but more in a person's lungs. He suggested that I have an x-ray, which I did. The x-ray showed clusters of these little tumors in my upper lungs. There was concern as, how, as to how rapid they were multiplying and if they would present a problem with my airway. Of course, this was troubling news to me. They started to treat me with heavy doses of steroids and regular x-rays to follow the development of this disease. I remember one particular evening. It was a Saturday night in Sheboygan Falls in our old brick house. Larson's know right where that is, just a few blocks from their home. It was a Saturday night. My wife and children had gone to bed. I had just thrown a large log on the fireplace. I sat down in my lazy boy, and there in the quiet of the room, I opened my Sunday school quarterly and realized the title for my lesson the next morning was God the Healer. Well, I looked at the crutches next to the chair, and it suddenly hit me how foolish I'd look if I, I taught about God's power to heal as I stood between two wooden crutches. I thought about finding a different topic. It's then I stopped and softly spoke to God. I'd, I'd ask him what to do. I had no idea how passionate God was about me and what I was going through. I started my prayer this way. 
Dear God, I'm afraid to ask you this question. Instantly, I was interrupted, and a voice spoke inside my mind. It clearly spoke these words, which I now record on this paper. Quote, I find the word afraid repulsive, for it shows me your lack of trust in me. Do you see the log which you, put, you, you just placed in the fire? How very large it is? That log will burn throughout the night, and its heat will provide warmth for you and your family. In the morning when you rise, you will be able to sift what remains between your fingers, for all that will be left is ashes. And that was it. I felt in the room where I sat a presence of power and authority. But with those things, I also felt a strong presence of peace and love. This event greatly stirred me. And I resolved that in the rest of the years that God would give me to minister, I would never change God's message regardless of what I was going through. Little did I realize that God was about to do a special thing for our little church in Plymouth and that God was going to use my infirmity to warm the faith and kindle the flame of revival which we all sought. That Sunday, I taught on God's power to heal as I leaned on my crutches. I taught it with passion and I could clearly see that what I said was reaching people in this little congregation and giving them a renewed respect for me as their pastor. The opposite of what I had feared would happen. Instead of people seeing a handicapped preacher, they saw a man of God who was willing to walk through the fire and hold on to his faith. And so the journey began. Surely there must be some gold close by buried beneath the affliction that I was dealing with. I had totally turned it over to God. And every few days I go in for another x-ray. The clusters remained unchanged. I was not ever certain how long they'd even been there. All I knew was God was involved and aware of my situation, and that I should not be afraid. It was some time later, possibly two weeks. It was a Sunday morning. I was scheduled to go to the hospital again on Monday for another x-ray. As I sat on the platform that morning, I felt a resolution come over me that God had accomplished what he wished to accomplish and the sarcoid tumors were no longer there. I was certain they were gone. I can't necessarily tell you how I knew. I just knew. I called the hospital that afternoon and asked if I could change my appointment to an earlier one in the morning. Why miss work over something that's not even there, I thought. I remember the person in radiology who spoke to me and I could almost see her eyes roll in her head when I told her that these little clusters of tumors were no longer there. 
Well, she changed the appointment and I went to the hospital and then to work. It was later that day I received a call on the phone. It was the lady from radiology at the hospital giving me the results. She very plainly spoke and said, your x-rays of both lungs are completely negative. Well, my heart jumped in my chest, but with it, a doubt sprung up. Did she mean negative bad? Or negative for no sign of abnormality? Well, I asked her this question, and she very plainly spoke into the phone and said, Weren't you the one yesterday that told me they were gone? There's no sign of sarcoid tumors on your x-rays. That Sunday, we burned the log of sarcoidosis in the fire of faith at church. This healing, plainly shown by before and after x-rays, inspired a greater faith in the hearts and minds of our congregation. What I thought was a bad thing was turned to gold in the purification process of my trust and continued faith. There have been many such trials in my life, from brain tumor to heart surgery and the like. I have found that in each of these trials, there is gold to be found for the faithful. Sometimes it's harder to discover, and you may even wonder if it even exists. But rest assured, there's gold in those hills of struggle and testing for those who stay faithful and do not retreat into their past hobbles of doubt and fear. So, grab your shovel, bring your pick, for the true riches of life are in the places you would least expect to find them. Now, it's very interesting because, uh, let me just tell you, so there's no doubt, I, the reason I was in the hospital is I remember I have this irregular heartbeat. Um, and they have a drug that, it's kind of a powerful drug, and when you take it, it is, can have some really bad side effects. And they need to monitor you at least on telemetry for three to four days to make sure that you don't develop any of those. Well, on my way, I wasn't really excited about the, the side effects. Um, but on my way there, I said, Lord, I pray that you would show me the reason that you're sending me here. Now, I, I'm just going to speak to you, and I'm not going to watch the clock. When I'm done, and I'm done. It's not going to be very long. You're going to get out of here real early. I just said, and I've learned this, that in every situation, in every day, Every day that I live, there's a purpose for me to be there. I, here's my, my persuasion. I will not die. God will not allow me to die. And you cannot kill me until I have finished what he has sent for me to do. And so... 
I've learned in the day of he's given me another day of life. There's treasure in it. And I, it's my job to find the hidden treasure. You know what? If you've got a boring life, listen to me. This is going to make your whole life a lot more exciting. Because if you will walk through your day and keenly be aware of who you come across and what happens in your path, you will find a treasure. Can I give you some examples of what's happened lately? I went to the hospital. I said, there's a reason for me being here. Lord, of course I want to minister, but there's got to be some reason particular. And I don't want to generalize. I want to do something or find what it is. And I'm pretty easygoing. I get along with just about everybody. So I'm not going to say, oh, everybody was friendly to me. And I did like just about 75% of everybody that came into my room. But here in the, in the afternoon comes a young lady. I shouldn't say young. She's probably 40s, which is young when you're 62. And she's doing the floor. And there's something there. I don't know what it is. Young black, black lady, or a middle-aged black lady. And I start to talk with her, and I tell her what I'm doing. I said, you know, I'm just sitting here writing. You don't mind if I stay in the table, if I lift my feet off the floor? Can you get underneath there? Sure, she says. And I, I start to fish. I'm not going to catch anything unless I got bait. Got to throw it out there. And you know what? You can tell if the fish isn't hungry. And just wheel, bring your bait back. I said, I'm just writing about treasure. And she bit, nibbled a little bit, and we began to talk. And my spirit inside of me clicked, and I knew that this was one, at least one of the treasures for me there. Who knows how many are there? It's like an Easter egg hunt. You might find a dozen of them, but she was one. And we started to talk, and she shared with me that she had fibromyalgia, and she was in severe pain with it. And I've talked to people that have had it. I guess it's very painful. I think that's the one I haven't had yet. I'm just, God, please don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But she felt it too. And to make a law, I don't want to drag the story out. She left and then came back on her own time. She's a lady of integrity. I loved her. You know, what a, I'm not going to do it on hospital time. She finished her shift and she came in and we shut the door and we prayed so hard, and I spoke in tongues, and I don't know whether she had the Holy Ghost, but she was speaking in tongues with me, and I laid my hands on her head, and I prayed for her, and then she laid her hands on me, and she prayed for me, but it was a treasure. It was a treasure that I might not have found if I had not been looking for it. Then it, it's been... The last few days, everywhere I go, because I'm looking for the treasure, because God said it's there. So it was a, a night, a, a, a third shift nurse that came in, and I was sort of hard on her. Um, 
things weren't going good for me as far as what the, the service was concerned. And, and I sort of let her know that I wasn't really happy with a couple things. But anyways, we started to talk. And um, at the end of the shift, she came into my room to say goodbye. She'd been my nurse on third shift for two or three, two nights, at least two of the three nights. And I looked in her eye, and there was a tear there. Oh, oh, emotion. And I said, I called her by name. I said, what's going on? Oh, I can't talk to you about it. I says, tell me what's going on. It's certainly important to you. And she shared with me how she had been caring for a patient that night and the patient had died. And she had tried so hard in caring for that patient to help to stop that from happening. And she felt so bad. And there, I felt like this was right up my alley working in hospice. I was able to sit and she sat with me for a long time. And I felt that when she left, she felt so much better. But there was another treasure. You say, well, how is that a treasure, Brother Kylie? My treasure is to do the will of my Father which sent me. When I do what God has ordained for me to do, what I receive inside my spirit is such a high degree of satisfaction and purpose it's like a birthday gift. I feel so good inside. You know, some of your treasures don't come until sometime afterward. I was so honored on Monday night. I cannot say that I have ever felt so honored uh, in, in a public place as I was this last Monday uh, sheriff Eric Severson was sworn in as our new sheriff for Waukesha County. He had called me a couple weeks ago, and he'd asked me if I would do uh, the benediction for his swearing-in service. And I thought, well, that's not unusual. I've done a number of these things. I just did one a week or two earlier for another thing they were doing in the boardroom. Well, when I got there on Monday, I, I was sort of crabby because I had to leave, start work early in the morning so I could be there at 4 o'clock, and, and I had to rush, and I, I got there a little crabby, like, oh, I really don't want to do this, and when I got into the boardroom at the Waukesha Courthouse, it was packed with judges and sheriff, the sheriff's chief, uh, chiefs of police, people from all over Wisconsin were there. And this was a very important, important event for him. And before I prayed, he had a chance to speak, and he was thanking those that were participating um, in this ceremony. And I thought he'll probably just say, well, I'm thankful for our, for our sheriff's chaplain that he's here. But he said, I want to I thank Chaplain Steve Kiley. And he took a couple minutes to say, this man helped me get through a very difficult time in my life when my father passed away. And me and Amy, about a year ago, had did his father's funeral and sang together. And 
And I just sort of forgot about it. You know, I, I knew I did it, but, I, but he had not because when he said that, he choked up. I'm sure he thought about his dad and how much he wanted his dad to be there. But I found a treasure. I left thinking to myself how all of the deputies and all the people that were there from the department looked at me differently because a lot of the things we do as pastors and chaplains, no one ever really gets to see. You know, you're in a hospital room or in someone's home or you're in private places and it's not publicly recorded. But God has a way of giving you a treasure. That These treasures do things. I, I'm not a video game guy. And I watch my grandkids play it. And I, I don't think I could ever learn some of these games. How they hop and jump and hit this key and that key and they spin. And I get killed in the first minute or two and then I just quit. But I know that as these little guys are jumping around, if they hit these little sparkly things, they get, they get more strength and more power. All of a sudden, they can do more things. Yeah, I can tell who's playing it. Uh-huh. Well, that's what happens to me. When I do what God's asked me to do, I'm influxed with energy and spiritual enlightenment and strength and one last one, and this isn't about me, but this is, this is happening almost every day because when I start my day, I'm believing that there's something in the day, at least one thing in the day that I've got to find. And I, I really feel, as simple as this message is, that God is wanting us as individuals to look, because he's promised in Isaiah 45, Already that it's there, he's provided these hidden treasures for you to find for your growth and strength. So the other, other day, and I hope I shouldn't say all this stuff, but one of my bosses, I just am afraid that they'll listen to this and they'll say, oh, yeah, that guy. Somebody that, uh, that I report to, <laughs> that'll really fake them out, won't it? came to me with a problem just at the end of the day and we were both ready to leave and he asked to talk with me for a second and I could tell he was very emotional. And here was another treasure. And I don't know how much more I'm going to say about it but this is something you wouldn't expect and so tonight, I think I'm going to close with this. Remember, who would you say in the Old Testament had the greatest influence in the formation of Israel? Who do you think was the main man, if you could pick a man out of the Old Testament that played an important role in the formation of Israel? Who would you call out? Moses? You'd be absolutely right. But you know, Moses, the only reason that he, he got involved is he found a treasure. For 40 years, actually 80 years, he'd never even heard the voice of God. I don't never, nothing ever says that God spoke to him or he did anything spectacular for God. 
He's 80 years old. He's living on the backside of the desert. And when I read from Exodus, the third chapter, it talks about how he steps into his role, how, how he gets involved. Now Moses was tending, um, verse 1 of chapter 3 of Exodus, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn aside. In other words, I'm going to change course. I'm going to change my plans, and I am going to see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. It does not say that the Lord interrupted his walk. God allowed him to see something that drew his attention and curiosity, and he turned aside, and he came, and he found something that people had not found previously. He found a relationship with God that none had had before him other than Adam. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. When God sees you looking and then willing to turn aside, God will call to you and reveal to you the treasure. But remember, it involves you. You're not going to trip over a treasure. You're going to have to seek the treasure. The Bible, for instance, even in your salvation, in the day that you seek me with all of your heart, the Bible says, you'll find me. In other words, if you're seeking half-hearted, the Bible's not going to, is basically saying, you're not going to find them. But in the day that you seek me with all of your heart, that's the day that you'll find me. So tonight, there's treasure in those hills. I want you to look at your trials differently. Those bad things that happen to you and you say, I, why are they happening to me? When you're sick or when you're, you're going through something and you don't want to go, I want you to stop. And I want you to say, God, show me why you're leading me through this trial. Even Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. And then it says, guess what? In the midst of the valley, the Lord provides a meal for him. Thou preparest a table before me. What do you do at a table? You get strength, you eat, you receive nourishment. So that even in the Psalms, the 23rd chapter, the Bible's relating that if you walk with God, you'll find and not get, give up. If David would have ran out of the valley, he'd have never made it to the table. And if you will do that in your life, when trials come, you'll say like Paul, he rejoices in his infirmities. Did he say that? Maybe... He found that is in his infirmities 
there were treasures for him. So that when they came, he rejoiced to have them because there was something for him to find that will make him stronger and closer to God. If we learned to do that, when trials came, we wouldn't be so discouraged. They'd become our meat. They'd become our strength. So would you do that for me tomorrow? If you're going to work, you're at home, or whatever you're doing, in the very beginning of your day, remember what I said. Pray, Lord, show me today what it is that you've set before me. Help me to minister to the person that you've placed in my path and help me to recognize who they are. And you watch what happens. Praise God. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.